You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. For, for, all, things, for, for all things KC, for everything Chiefs, it's always, game, it's always game day in Kansas City. Now, here's your host, Kayla Kinnearum and Cody Tapp. Hey there, everyone, and welcome to It's Always Game Day in Kansas City. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcast, if you haven't done so already. I am your co-host, Kayla Canaram. Actually, I am your... Sorry, let's just start over. I don't know what I'm saying. Okay. <laughs> I'm your co-host. All right, here we go. <laughs> hey there, everyone. Welcome to It's Always Game Day in Kansas City. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcast. I am your host, Kayla Canaram. Joining me is my co-host, Cody Tapp, and producer, Nick Schwert. Fellas, what an interesting game we had today. KC pulls out the win, 34-28 in Denver, but to be honest, it really didn't feel like a win. You had a 27-point lead against a team with three wins on the season. This game had no business being as close as it was. Honestly, this baffles me how such a good team like the Chiefs continuously makes bad teams look good. Anyway, I digress. What is our biggest takeaway from today? Well, I mean, look, there is almost... Like we had, I don't know, we get to the point where like a win's a win, man. It doesn't matter. And you're like, uh, I mean, yes and no for their goals, getting the one seed, all those things. Okay, fine. Right. I guess it's a win. But when you blow, and I know that they never technically gave up the lead, but when you blow a 27 point lead against a team that we were all collectively dunking on in the middle of the game. Like we're all having like fun, good times. Look (laughs) at these losers. They can't do anything. Can't move the ball. Can't do anything. Can't stop Mahomes. Willie Gay just got a pick six. Travis Kelsey's relaxing to the sideline. And it's all fun and games (laughs) until Mahomes turns it over twice. They score a touchdown on both of those drives. And you gave Denver life. And when you give bad teams life, hope, whatever, you let them right back into the game. It felt like Andy's boner game where he's just forgetting how to do shit. He His run to pass ratio was three to one. You're like, you were up 27 to nothing. How did you end up with a ratio that was 43 passes to 16 rushes in a game in which you led 27 to nothing? And the offense opposite you was the worst in the NFL. Like, it's just one of those games that is infinitely more frustrating than most losses. Because of the opponent and the way that it happened and the way that it all shook out in the end. Because Kansas City's got way too many like Indianapolis Colts playoff losses in their history to not feel fucking nervous about 27 nothing games getting in within six points in the third quarter. I hate <laughs> to say this. I want to preface this by saying that I don't want this to be taken out of context, but uh, Patrick Mahomes went Kirk Cousins at the end of the first half. Because Kirk Cousins, it's not just like, I'm not saying like Kirk Cousins is the worst quarterback in the league or anything like that. 
It's that Kirk Cousins makes more of those what the hell were you thinking throws than any quarterback, right? He'll make some really good ones. He doesn't only make those throws, but he leads the NFL in what the hell were you trying to do their throws? And Mahomes had a couple of them. And he, I mean, the, the game was 27 to nothing. You thought you were going to go in half up four scores and you somehow on back-to-back drives throw two interceptions. One of them gave Denver the ball on their own, or excuse me, on the Chiefs 42-yard line. The next one gave it to him on their own 40-yard line. So you're talking about short fields for an offense that had absolutely nothing, nothing going for them. We'll talk about the defense later, but those two touchdown drives that went from a 27 to nothing game to a 27 to 14 game were because the Broncos offense, which might be the worst in the NFL, got the ball with short fields and it gave them momentum to keep that door open through the entirety of the rest of the game. We can talk about everything that happened, but this game can be boiled down to those two drives on offense for the Chiefs in the second quarter. The the second pick was impressive, right? Like he gets his hand under the ball and he makes the pick, but he was like, all three interceptions were not like, sometimes he has the one interception where you're like, what are you doing? All three were like, what are you doing? You were up by like so much. There was no reason to get greedy. And look, I was saying step on their throat too. It's like three and a half minutes and they just give you the ball back in the second half. I'm like, yeah, burn it down. Get their ass. Like it felt, you know, like, you know, like, screw it. Put up 35, put up 70, put up 100. Who cares? But after you threw the first one and they got the touchdown, that's like back to reality time. That's like, all right, well, there's like 90 seconds left in this half. Just as long as I don't turn it over. Who cares? We go up 27-17. We go up 27-7 at half. Nobody thinks any different. And to be honest, the fact that we have made a huge point about turnovers. Nick, we've been hosting this podcast for a long time. We host a show in Kansas City for a long time. I first brought up turnovers in week five being a problem for this team. And I got not mocked, but it's just like "Ah, a little early to be worried about that. If you're not worried now, you are simply not paying attention to a very large issue. They are negative six in the turnover differential. They are the fourth worst team in the NFL at it. The combined winning percentage of the four other teams worse than them is 343. There's not a single playoff team in them. They are defying the odds by winning in these turnover metrics. And it's because they're so talented, right? They got Kelsey, they got Mahomes. You know, they're, they're still so talented they can overcome it. But you cannot sustain. You cannot win three straight playoff games and just give every team the football, whatever it's going to be, or two straight playoff games. You can't constantly give the other team the football. And if it wasn't the Denver Broncos, they'd have lost this game. This, as we know, is the third time Mahomes has done this in his career. The first time was in 2018 against the Rams. And then in Miami in 2020 and now against Denver, all games on the road. But the good news is, guys, it only seems to happen once every two years if there is a positive spin to put on this. However, what's the answer to the turnover bug? What needs to happen? No, Kayla, that's a great point because Mahomes decided that if there was ever a game to just get it out of his system, <laughs> it would be against the Broncos, right? He thought, One we can win, what? yes. They're no good. So I can afford to throw three interceptions in this one and we'll still win. I can't do this in a couple of weeks against the Seahawks, right? That's a feisty Seattle bunch. We got to do it against a team that doesn't have a chance. Although uh, Denver certainly felt like they had a chance. Got a little dicey. Big stretch yeah, in the second half. What's the answer? I, I don't know. This is now the fifth time in the last six games where the Chiefs have lost the turnover battle. And it'd be really easy to say, well, if we're just talking about turnover margin, right? 
then why not ask more of the defense? Why not ask this unit that hasn't been pulling their weight to pick up some of the slack? Because Patrick Mahomes, it's important to note, is historically adept at avoiding turnovers. He do, it's, it's Aaron Rodgers and then him. If you're talking about all-time interception percentage, he's so incredibly low. And now he's got 11 on the season, so it's easy to point to him and say, okay, well, you got to cut back on those. Sunday felt like an anomaly for him, right? There were just a couple of what were you doing type throws that you, you expect him to sort of take care of and figure out. And the Broncos are one of the best defenses in the NFL. That's important to note. As a team, though, somebody has to have an answer. It doesn't have to be Mahomes, but as the quarterback, right, a lot of that burden's on you. It'd be nice to ask the defense to pick up some of that slack, but at, at some point you just say that's not who you are, right? If, if, you're only, if your only chance of getting turnovers is going up against bad quarterbacks or getting strip sacks by Chris Jones, you're just not going to be a team that gets that many takeaways. So unfortunately, as unfair as it may seem, I do think you do have to ask more of your superhero quarterback because I'm not sure who else to ask it of. Well, someone has to stop giving it away. Um, right? I mean, so, somebody, they have 19. Oh, I'm sorry. Going into the game, they had 19 total giveaways. They now have 22. Second worst in the NFL. So it's not just him. It's like, it, or, you know, I know it's not just him. Um, but it's, it's bad, man. I mean, what do you want me to say? Like, there's no, this year in particular, it is hard to justify that they are that bad at giving it away when what you said, Nick, is true. They have been historically one of the best at not doing that. Look, Mahomes still makes some like freaky throws and I get it. He does some spectacular things that this doesn't even necessarily feel like. To me, this this one was just like it it all felt just like, eh, I'm just gonna kind of throw it here. Like he had not checked out, but it just like the Mahomes focus wasn't there after a certain portion of this game because he thought he could really just run it up on this team. And they were up 27-0, and he was nearly perfect in that effort. They had against the number one scoring defense in the NFL, gone field goal, field goal, touchdown, touchdown, and they were wrecking him, right? Like it was, it was over. And then he just let one mistake compound into another, into another. And it's, so it's just like, my, my concern is not that he'll throw three interceptions in a game, Nick. It's that he might throw one and somebody else is going to fumble one and they're going to find themselves in turnover trouble again. You're right. For this one game, I don't think, oh, Mahomes is just going to give the ball away a million times a game. But I mean, all the other times, it's just like this team gives the ball away. It's not just that they don't take it away. It's that they give it away and they don't take it away. That's a really bad recipe, typically. All right. We're actually now going to look at some of the positives now that we've gotten that out of our system. Guys, even despite the turnovers, the Chiefs offense had a ton of success versus the league's second best scoring defense, starting with points. We put up 34. The most Denver has given up this season. And even if you take out the Willie Gate pick six, it would be the second most they've allowed. Discuss. Well, I mean, the sack part, um, you know, I mean, we can live with that, right? We're all everybody good there, I assume. Everyone feels good. We feel like we can handle that. But it's just like they they're doing what they're supposed to do on offense against good elite defenses. I know that people always get mad because we say points per game shouldn't count the Willie Gay pick six, Nick, but it does. Right. 
the points per game counts to Willie Gate pick six when we factor in how many points a team scores at the end of the season. We never go back through and see how many times a kick went in or a kick return went in. Like to me, they are averaging 35 points per game or 34 points per game against the number one scoring defenses in the NFL. What more do I need to know? They have dropped 43 times, 30 twice, and 20 once. Yeah, I think it's so weird because we talked a lot about, about after the Bengals game, how the box score would sort of lie to you. And I feel like it's doing it now, but it's in reverse, right? Like I felt like the Chiefs played better than it indicated last week, whereas this time around, I feel like they didn't play as well as their numbers would indicate because all of it came in bunches. And so it's sort of this weird thing. Like if you have a like a basketball player, right? This spark plug off the bench and he doesn't do anything for 15 minutes and then he scores 15 points in a four possession stretch and then he doesn't do anything the rest of the game. And you say, well, was that a good game? I'm like, well, yeah, I guess so because he, he did score, but it was for such a small period of time. That's what the Chiefs did today. They had a lot of success early on. They built that lead, and then all of a sudden, the wheels come off. It wasn't just the two interceptions to end the second half. It was what, two three and outs to start the, yeah. to start the uh, second half, and then you had an interception on the third play of a drive. So you had that one touchdown drive and then the game sealer. But aside from that, this offense was Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde from the first half to the second. It's hard because, you know, Andy said after the game, he's like, you know, if you take out those three interceptions, he played great. And it's like, okay, yeah. You know, if it, if it wasn't for uh, you know, if it wasn't for a certain event, then I'm sure the Lincolns had a great time at the play. It doesn't work that way. You can't exclude the most important part of the offensive performance and tell me, like, if we were doing a grade, Nick, remember you'd asked me that last week. You're like, what was the grade for how they scored in this game? Because it felt like they could have had more points. They get a worse grade for this game because of the turnovers. But if I am, if I'm taking out of a vacuum the way they did this, they did things against the Broncos defense. Teams simply don't do. They had 350 yards passing. They'd never allowed a 300-yard passer this entire season. Matter of fact, they'd only allowed three quarterbacks to go for 240 yards in this in, in a single game this year. Isaiah Pacheco ran with ease. Jarek McKinnon destroyed them. They are one of the best yards after catch defenses in the NFL, and they could not stop Jarek McKinnon from ruining their day. They got first downs on broken tackles. Like there are things in their offense that they still do against elite defenses. So to me, I actually kind of feel good about the offense coming out of this game. Maybe I shouldn't because of the turnovers, but I'll tell you this much. If they go up against one of those elite defenses in the NFL in the postseason, not a problem. I am no longer going to ask the question because we did this week for the final time, Nick, this year. Congrats. This is it for me. Final time this year. Do we actually think they can move the ball against this defense considering how good it has been against everybody? And the answer is absolutely. The scoring in bunches thing, sometimes people point that out as a negative. And to me, that is the ultimate positive. Do you know how hard it is in the NFL to go four consecutive drives, scoring four times all of those times, including two touchdowns, Nick? That's not easy. Most NFL offenses can't do that against any defense. Most NFL offenses don't do that. They punt one of those. They do whatever. Scoring on four consecutive drives is hard. And they make it look easy because they do it all the time. This was against... Okay, but here's okay, but here's the here's the reality with the Chiefs' offense, and I'm guilty of this all the time. I did it last week against Cincinnati. Is you can look at their season long numbers and say, okay, you had six and a half yards per play versus Cincinnati. 
you're averaging six and a half yards per play on the season. That's number one in the NFL. So you're playing as good as any offense in the NFL. But here's what we all see every single Sunday. We all see it. And I feel like I am guilty of always explaining it away with the box score. I explain it away with stats. The reality is they can play better. If they're averaging six and a half yards per per play, they're capable of averaging seven. And that is why it feels disappointing is because we see the self-inflicted mistakes week after week after week. And so even though the numbers look really good and you had over 400 yards of offense and you had three passing touchdowns and you had six and a half yards per play and it was the best game that anybody's had against Denver all season long, the reality is you could have done more. You could have beat him by worse. You could have put 40 up. You could you, you should have. Same thing last could have been 60 up. Jesus. Right? We said, oh, you scored 24 points. It could have been 34 against the Bengals. And that's where we're at with the Chiefs. It may not be fair. It may not be fair to look at a team and say, hey, you're the best. Be even better. You're number one. Be number one by a, a larger margin. But that is what this team is capable of. We can see it. And that, I think, is what leaves you feeling disappointed. It's not because they were terrible. It's because you know they can be better. You know what's funny is that I still think they're missing McCall Hartman. Like they like to me, their entire offseason plan was we gotta attack you from everywhere. We gotta be able to do everything from everywhere. And I don't think they can do everything from everywhere right now. They are still like slow tight end reliant. Right? Teams can take away your deep threat of MVS if you know you can't attack them from other areas. I still think there's some of that with them. I don't disagree, Nick. I definitely think they can play better, but it's hard for me to look at. It's just hard for me to think about the way that they play on offense and be like, why aren't you even better than elite sometimes, especially against what is a top five scoring defense in the NFL? And they continue to do that against every top five scoring defense in the NFL this year. Well, we didn't exactly keep that positive, but we're going to move on. That's my fault. <laughs> Usually that's Nick's fault. I was actually pretty positive there. That's fair. <laughs> Sorry. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Which brings us back to the defense. (laughs) Guys, this has been the worst game confidence-wise for the defense all season. You can't defend their performance. It was ugly today. It's been ugly. Okay, so I'm going to try not to overreact because I do get accused of being too negative with the defense. That was pretty embarrassing. Um, Denver is a laughing stock. Like, they can't score. They're, they're very bad. Um, they're just so very bad on offense. And you let them get so many points. So this is one of those like advanced analytics that for the moment, I'm going to choose to believe just to make myself feel better about the defense, which is 
the same thing you were talking about, Nick, the like yards per play part of it, yards per drive, points per drive. Those stats will suggest that the Chiefs played a pretty average defensive game for them. Now, if you want to spin that negatively, oh God, please no, don't let that be the case. They got sacks. You know, they they got their hands on the ball or near the ball. They had a chance for even more turnovers than they got in the game. There were times when they looked, checked out. Too many big plays against Denver. Too many missed tackles again. And I get it. The offense kept giving them the ball back. It was hard. It was hard for me who have spent the entire year saying the Chiefs defense is going to get better. And I feel confident that they will after that game. Because all their young defensive backs got cooked. They let up way too many points. I feel like I'm going to try to just wash this one out of my memory. Because otherwise, I'm going to convince myself that the defense is going to be the reason why they lose a playoff game in a few weeks. And I don't want to be that guy. Okay, since I was the one who was negative in our last segment, when we were supposed <laughs> to be positive, I will uh, we'll do a little role reversal. Okay, So, despite the fact that the Broncos had 28 points, they had 320 yards of offense. They averaged 4.6 yards per play. If that were extrapolated across the course of a season, 4.6 yards per play would rank last in the NFL. In fact, yeah. it's lower than what the Broncos are currently doing, which is averaging five yards per play on the season. So the Chiefs somehow actually held them below their season average in yards per play. Well, how about that? In fairness, they were hurt. That stati- they were hurt by that statistic with their opening drive, which was t- 12 plays for 34 yards. And I want you to think about how hard that is to do and actually get first downs. To run 12 plays, only gain 34 yards and then punt the ball is so hard. It's it's just like so hard to do. So the, but Nick, come on, this they, is a thing. No, no, I won't. They you, let up too much. Okay, well, they had a couple bad drives. All right, well, I'll, I'll, I'll give you that. Uh, the first drive of the of the second half was really bad. Um, the touchdown drive where Russell Wilson got injured and then Brett Rippon came in to close it out. That was really bad as well. And then the final drive. So, okay. Now, I'm do, you giving, know, do you know why that? I'm like, giving myself. Plays, I'm not giving myself enough uh, uh, <laughs> emergency exits here because yeah. I'm listening. Here's, off drives. here's here's the here's the moment of the game where I'm like, no, you played like shit and you have to admit that you played like shit. And this was your worst game of the year. And it ruined part of my confidence in the defense will get better camp was. It was second and 34. Second and 34. And look, Andy made a mistake. He should have just made it third and 23 and said, go get your first down and accepted the field goal. But the Chiefs get this like obsessive nature about getting them out of field goal range. Spags talks about it all the time. They get so, so weird about it. Like guys can never gain yards and kick field goals from different parts of the field. But it's second and 34 against the league's worst offense. You let them get 22 on the first play and convert third and 11 on the second and then let Brett Rippon come in and score the touchdown on you. That was an embarrassing sequence. Like a real reality check sequence. Okay, but this is a defense that got six sacks and two takeaways. And and what do we talk about with Spags all the time is that he's going to have games where he gives up points. He's going to have games where he gives up big plays. And if you hate that and you think that's reason or justification for him being fired or being on the hot seat, that's fine. That's your opinion. But we know who Steve Spagnuolo is as a defensive coordinator, right? A lot of times he's going to let teams get up on him early. 
figure out what you're doing, recalibrate. And that's when the Chiefs have sort of laid the hammer down and kept offenses in check this season. This year, it w- or th- th- this week, it was the exact opposite. A couple of big, bad mistakes by the offense, let them back in it. And all of a sudden, I think a bunch of guys who were looking around saying, you know what? I feel like, feel like we're, uh, we're pretty good here. I find themselves in a game where, oh, well, now we have to get back up. Like Now we got to start playing again. Now, of course, you shouldn't take your foot off the pedal, but it's only natural when you're up four scores at the end of the second quarter. So the flow of this game, I thought, was really well. Overall, if I just would have told you going into it that the Chiefs were going to get six sacks and two takeaways, you would have said ball game, blowout. If the defense gives you that performance, they're running away with this, and they should have. I cannot and will not focus on the defense today because I feel like the only reason this game was close was because of three costly interceptions by this Chiefs offense. You cut that number to one to one interception, to two interceptions, the Chiefs do win this one rather comfortably. But instead, it was a tight game that the defense pitched a shutout, pitched a shutout for a quarter and a half, had two quick fields, or two short fields, excuse me, where the Broncos were set up with easy scoring drives. So I, I don't know. It's just tough for me to harp on the defense. What are Nick, what, go ahead, Kayla. You were kind of alluding to this at the beginning of that. Uh, when should there be a conversation around Steve Spagnola? Uh, I told you uh, earlier in the season, I won't do it. I said, I'm done. I said, I, you, you're, I don't remember the you game. Waiver? I, I, I can't now. I said, you know what? I'm retired Dude, from Steve's, but no, I'm, I'm not. What are you going to manual Acho this thing and just like stand by? He's a like, Justin Herbert is a social media quarterback. Don't do that, man. You don't I have to die. I didn't to quit my career. I didn't threaten to retire. I just said I won't talk about it anymore. So you know what? I recuse myself from this situation. You know where I stand on Steve Spagnolo. He is who he is. He's good enough. This defense was good enough today. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna try and pin this one on him. So I'm done. So you, um, you can have the conversation this off season, but I think it's probably a little premature. Uh, Bob Sutton's defensive ranked by year. 7th, 2nd, 1st, 6th, 15th, and 24th in his final year. Uh, Spags, 10th, 10th, 17th, and 15th. I would also say that Bob Sutton was gifted with much more talented defenses than Spags has been given during this time. So the state of fairness, I would say they've done a pretty similar job. I have never made Andy Reid angrier than at the end of the year press conference, the year before Bob Sutton got fired. So going into what ended up being his final year in Kansas City, I had asked Andy Reid in his final end of the year press conference after they had lost to the Pittsburgh Steelers in a home playoff game. Hey, man, in a play in which Justin Houston was guarding Antonio Brown 60 yards downfield. I had asked, at what point of the offseason do you enter? At what point of the offseason do you begin to have conversations about what your staff will look like next year? That's how I said it. I didn't even specifically reference Bob Sutton, but he got so upset. He called, he yelled at me essentially in the press conference. And then two questions later went back to me answering somebody else. It's like, when we get questions like that one, I can't stay focused on the other stuff. And you're like, okay. So obviously he is also thinking about the fact that he might have to fire his friend, Bob Sutton. So he knows when it's time to give up. The problem is like anything else. One Sutton, rightfully so won a Super Bowl with this team and deserves uh, leniency in that regard. Um, He took a defense and got it better and won it. And he's running out an entire rookie unit. Um, I mean, my God, half his defense is full of rookies. I think it's fair. I think think it's fair to start that conversation this offseason. But if you're asking me if I would let him go, the answer is no. 
I would not be that quick triggered about it because I do think he does some things well. And it's hard because the offense is so good. We're never going to think fairly about the defense. A few thoughts here. I'm kind of with Nick. I don't think we're as focused on the defense if there's not three interceptions. Um, We had a very solid defense, I feel like, through the first few weeks of the season. We were kind of praising them. What has been the turning point? Is it just wear and tear as we near the end of the season? At what point should we should concern start setting in after these last two weeks? Um, it's already kind of have. Um, not that they're just like a laughing stock. I don't think they're just going to get run out of the building. It's not 2018. It, it's, you know, like it's not that. It's just the the giveaway thing that we were just talking about, the takeaway. The fact that it'll take the ball away doesn't give them much margin for error. But I'll say this in the sack department, Nick, after six today, I don't have the ranking in front of me. Um, we're recording this podcast at night. They'll update it in the morning. Um, but the Chiefs were sixth in the NFL coming into this week in sacks per game. Six is not going to hurt. They're standing in that. They're probably going to be in the top five in sacks per game. You can win. You can win playing defense if you just do that. If you just get sacks, you can like win a game, especially with Patrick Mahomes. Because all it takes is one timely sack to end a drive. So like I'm worried because I feel like they're showing their youth finally. But those things can happen and then you can bounce right back. So like I'm not panicked, I guess. Yeah, I'm not either. I mean, ask me if it's a game where the like I'm waiting to see the game where the offense just plays lights out and the defense can't help them. Like we've talked a lot about, hey, the offense made a few mistakes. Can the defense pick them up? I'm waiting to see that game where the offense has an A plus game and then the defense just utterly fails them to the point where it costs them. So I, it's, I just, I can't make any grand sweeping conclusions about this defense if Patrick Mahomes is turning the ball over. That to me is what I'll be watching more intently moving forward is can this offense get back to what we thought they were? Because that's the non negotiable. When you're coming up with the Super Bowl scenarios before the season, they all involve the Chiefs being a mistake-free, well-oiled machine on offense. They've been really good, but with the lack of explosive plays, you can't also be a turnover-prone offense. It, that, that is going to be your fatal flaw if you don't get that figured out. Amen. We're going to keep this thing moving. Guys, where does the Mahomes pass to McKinnon rank for his best plays this year? What a beauty that was. First. Oh, man, wow. I Look, there were some other ones like the Clyde throws. Incredible. That one, every single angle of it is like, what? What the hell is this? I mean, I know McKinnon's open technically, but it's just like it was a third down. Like it just it didn't make sense. Like every angle is just like he's like this and throwing it across his face. It's not a no look. It's like blindfolded with both arms tied behind your back. There is that was like a. For every magician in the history of the world, like they got that, that the thing they're the most well known for. That's that kind of play, man. I, I can't. I'll rank it up. There is one of his greatest of all time. Like, I kind of want to put together his whole list. But for this season, it's one. It is one because it was so absurd because it's he makes a couple of throws in his career that can only be really described this way. He completes throws. I've never even seen attempted. Like, I don't even remember anybody trying to throw a ball like that <laughs> ever. And you completed it for a 50-yard touchdown. So for me, it's first this year. I know there's some other great ones, but it's number one. 
Mahomes threw that ball like, like you see every every morning, Cody. You see me eating some some sort of junk for breakfast, right? And I ball up the wrapper and I I throw it into the trash can. Mahomes threw that football to Jarek McKinnon like I throw a wrapper into the trash can. The only difference is when I'm throwing that wrapper into the trash can. I don't have some 300-pound dude who runs a 4'8 chasing me with the sole intent of demolishing me. But that's what happened to Mahomes. Like, it wasn't just a throw. Like, there was a guy on his hip that he sort of had to shrug yeah. off real quick before he just kind of chucked it over there. The, the weird part is he's doing this so much where after, after you watch the replay, you're like, well, that was impressive. Like, that was really impressive. But also, like, I understand why he did it. Like no, you no, no, I don't understand. If I understood why he did it, then other quarterbacks would understood how or why he did it, and they would do it too. How is he the only one who sees the game that way to make such a difficult pass, something we've never seen before, look so routine? He is normalizing his own ridiculous behavior. Again, it's just like he threw it side straddle. It's like this. <laughs> Show the us, video. Cody. Give us a visual. Like the guy is over here. <laughs> And he throws it like this. Uh-huh. And he always does it so nonchalant. It's like insulting to the other person. Like, I would be offended. It would be like if someone called your mom ugly. Be like, what the fuck, man? That's a really rude thing to do. We're all just trying to play football here. That was, that was mean. Why did you do that? No mama like jokes. That, like, that's it. It's just like, it's offensive to other people to watch. I'm watching the highlight again now. It's just, it's a third and two. He's close to there. McKinnon breaks away and he's just got a feel for the game. I don't see other people. Like I watched Sunday night football tonight and Justin Herbert makes some throws and I'm like, wow, God, that's a great throw. Laser beams, good feel moves around, drops it. There's no other quarterback that does stuff like that. It's just, it's in its own little special realm of nonsense. Like I know it's easy. Cause like people always get anytime a Holmes has a, like a rough game like this one, right? Where, He makes those bad mistakes and it puts the other team back in the game and those things. It's like they don't even want me to acknowledge the absurd. I'm like, you know, without that, right? They punt there and maybe they don't have enough points to win this game. No, I think I'm going to acknowledge that. I'm going to continue to acknowledge anytime Mahomes continues to do absolutely freaky nonsense. Because that's what that is. That's, That's freaky nonsense. People just simply don't do that. Do you think he thinks... That's even going to be caught, or is he just trying to get out of a bad situation? Like, does he literally just? I mean, he hit him. It? I don't know. He hit him in stride. I, he, it doesn't. Well, I wonder what his confidence level is that that's going to be a completion. Based on the way like he that. acts, a million percent. Like, because he throws balls that get picked that he was like, nah, I was pretty sure I was going to complete that. Yeah. He knew it the wild. <laughs> just never a doubt. Never a doubt. Guys, it is time for winners and losers. Who wants to go first? Okay, I'm going to have to say a winner, by the way. I'll go first because I because I, I don't want to take the obvious one off the table because I know at least one person who definitively deserves to be on the winner list. So I'm going to take the other running back. Isaiah Pacheco's got a real chance for the angry runs crown. What if I had both? Because <laughs> Isaiah Pacheco, to close out that game, ran angry. This is all we love about Pacheco. Yeah, Andy didn't give him the ball enough today on the ground. But those final two drives when they just let him like run over every last Denver Broncos defender on the way to sealing that game out so they could kneel. That to me was that. Whatever our thoughts were about Pacheco earlier in the year, 
At some point, I would have thought maybe Clyde was their better running back. Pacheco's their best running back. And I liked watching them close out a game. Like, I know the game shouldn't have needed that, but those were two incredibly hard runs. So uh, he's my winner for this week. Uh, I actually, I don't, I'm not going to go with the obvious answer in this one. I'm going to go with somebody else. It is a, uh, it's a player whose stock is going up and it's someone you guys are going to make me say his name or do you, do you, you know who I'm talking about, right? Are you, are you talking about Jody Fortson? Did he get a little post game scuffle? Guys, 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 let's not, let's not distract from the obvious here. George Carloftis? Orgy. Oh. Pudding. Right. Three straight games <laughs> with a sack. I can't believe it took this whole episode to talk about a kid who might be, who might be the best edge rusher in this 2022 draft class. He's just getting started. G triple P hive stand up, make some noise. <laughs> this dude is trending in the right direction at the perfect time. Chris Jones has found his running mate on that Chiefs defensive line. Shout out George Karloftis. Three G triple what was that? Three triple, triple, P. triple P. Come on. Georgie, Porgy, oh. pudding pie. That's a triple P. Ah, yes. Okay, I'm with you now. I think it's taking over. It. I think I think it's taking over. I think George if Curi- uh, Furious George is kind of losing some steam. Not enough originality there. And I think people are starting to really turn turn on that and, and, and hop on board the G triple P train. Not too late. Plenty of room. Kayla, does that mean you're going to say Jarek McKinnon? Because he had a great game. I had both. I had the running backs as my winners. McKinnon and Pacheco. McKinnon, six carries, 22 yards. Seven receptions, 112 yards, two touchdowns. Thought we might have gotten three there for a second. Pacheco, 13 carries, 70 yards, three receptions, 23 yards. I would just like to reiterate uh, what Cody said about Pacheco. I have been waiting for a bulldozer-like running back, and we saw that in Pacheco today. Dude is a beast. He just like kept pushing at the end of that game. That made me very happy to see, but I felt very confident and happy with the play out of our running backs today. They are my winners. Both. Yeah. I mean, that was a big time. That was a big time drive to uh, put the game away. You know what? I'll go first on losers because I, you know, it's going to take some courage to do what I'm about to do. We don't give preferential treatment on. It's always game day in Kansas city, right? That's what all the co- the great coaches say. Sure. Treat- <laughs> Sorry, I'm gonna have to edit this out. <laughs> Went down the wrong. <laughs> I'm getting choked up. <clears throat> okay, I'm gonna try this again. That's what all the great coaches say. They say that they're gonna treat the guy who's making forty million dollars the same as player number fifty-two on the roster. That is why my loser for this game, Kayla and Cody, is Patrick Levon Mahomes. I'm sorry. Wow. Oh, I will never do that. You can't have three interceptions. You have a job to do, sir. You can't give the ball to the other team three times. If it's two interceptions, okay. I'm willing to overlook it. But three interceptions, that is not a winning performance. It's not easy to win football games, guys. If your quarterback is giving it to the other team three times, I'm sure this will be the only time this season I'll give Patrick Mahomes my, my loser award. But... If not now, then when? You got to be held accountable, right? It's back to the drawing board. I'm sure this will serve as motivation for him, and he's going to come back versus Houston looking better than ever. 
I was tempted to give it to Andy Reid because I thought his management of the game after 27 nothing was very poor. Yikes. But instead, lightning bolts coming down. <laughs> but instead, my loser is my prediction for what happened on Sunday. Because when we made our score predictions, one, we were both all way off on the points. Just like, oh my God, so comically off on the final total score. My first but, half was my final prediction. Yeah. The first half score. But I had said, you know what's going to help seal this? The guy, Trent McDuffie's going to get a pick. And he had a real chance early in the game at an interception and it hit him between the eyeballs and the helmet. And it's not like it happened late. It's like he was sitting there waiting and his hands just didn't move fast enough. He just standing there and then he put his hands here and then it hit him right between the eyes, just dotted him in the helmet. I'm like, Oh man, I wanted you to have that pick. I wanted that prediction to be right, but instead it didn't. And that wasn't your moment, but Eh, alas, it'll happen eventually. I, you know, there are plenty of people to pick on in this game, but it might as well just be, I almost got that interception prediction right by McDuffie, but instead I failed. I have a few losers. I went a little more, I went a little more vague. (laughs) Nick, I just wrote three interceptions. I didn't, I didn't. That's cheating. Mahomes with that. You, that is cheating, Kayla. You can't do that. You can't tell me that you would never give Mahomes the loser and two minutes later just say three interceptions. Do you remember who threw those interceptions by chance? <laughs> it was designed. Somebody ran a wrong route. Yeah. yeah. I don't think I don't think that was all on him. Literally all I have in here is three interceptions. Uh giving up twenty eight to the Broncos or season high. I didn't love that. Again, I didn't tie that to the defense in any way, just that right, we gave sure. up twenty eight points. Um, and lastly, the Mizzou Tigers basketball team, Oof. which I'm shocked you didn't bring up at all. Yeah, that's a tough. Listen, Kayla, it's that's a tough one to top. I'm actually, I'm actually thankful. I'm actually thankful for the Tigers because I had a very productive <laughs> Saturday. I got a lot of laundry done. I was able to clean out my fridge during the second half of that game. And I have the uh, Missouri Tigers to thank for it. You know, what a, what a delicious reupholstering of that rivalry <laughs> that we saw on Saturday in Mizzou Arena. I think it could have been handled through a text message or a phone call, but the <laughs> decided to make the drive all the way to Columbia and uh, the Tigers are the ones licking their wounds. Back to the drawing board. It's a, a rough go. I kind of forgot about that game. Thanks for reminding me. I really thought that was going to go like in another I, direction. Yeah, not like I had any material planned or anything waiting for this exact moment. Well, Play us in football. You won't. I dare you. (laughs) I beg to differ. This might be the first time in like two decades that Missouri can't just blindly say, talk to us in football season. You can't (laughs) say it as confidently as you want. These are dark times, Cody. Yeah, it's pretty bleak. How's like the softball teams or baseball? Oh, actually, we're great at softball. We kill it in softball. Talk shit on that. I think. See you in softball season, Nick. Come at us, bro. Well, you got me on that one. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> all right any final thoughts before we close this thing out on a monday i don't know i hope that it's a very similar thing when we get to our vibe check on wednesday we'll have calmed down more about this game because it felt gross after the game was over that's for sure i'm gonna go take a shower get well, we are- rest and see how i feel in the morning good i think we should all do that well said nick All right, that is going to do it for us here on It's Always Game Day in Kansas City as we look ahead optimistically to the Houstons this weekend. But you should also join us when we're back on Wednesday and Friday. That is Cody Tapp. He is Nick Schwartz. I am Kayla Canaram. We'll see you guys next time. 